are all very familiar with the frequent severe storm warnings that are issued in our part of the world. It seems like they come around on a very regular basis, especially in the springtime of the year that we, where we are now. We're going to be getting a lot of storm warnings. I think there was a storm warning last night even for a part of our area. They happen so often. We've ex- we ourselves have experienced bad storms uh, through the years. And then, of course, because of the digital age that we are in, everybody who has a cell phone has a video camera in their pocket. And so we get videos of people showing maybe a horrible tornado going through an area. I watched a video the other day of, a, of an F5, which is the worst class, an F5 tornado. Maybe it was out in Oklahoma, I think. And the people who were filming it were actually driving toward it. Every time they came to an intersection that would give them the opportunity to turn in a more direct path of the tornado, they were turning that way. I couldn't believe it. I thought any, any sane person would be going the opposite way, but they were going toward the storm. Bad storms. We're familiar with bad storms. We see bad storms. Today we want to talk about storms. And we want to try to draw a spiritual parallel from Paul's experience as he was being transported to Rome to stand before Caesar. Let me see what we got going on here. Here we go. We want to talk about the storms of life. We want to talk uh, from that text in Acts chapter 27. You may want to turn your Bibles to Acts chapter 27. And and we're going to try to draw some parallels to that terrible storm that Paul and the people on the ship with him encountered as they were traveling to Rome. But our parallel attempt will be to draw that to the Storms in our lives, not physical storms, but the spiritual storms that hit us from time to time. We'll be trying to draw some lessons from that. Stop here for just a minute to thank everybody for being here on this Lord's Day. We really appreciate you being here and the encouragement that we draw from one another when we are together. We talked about that in our Bible class this morning, that these times together are very important times of encouragement. And we appreciate you for being here to participate this morning. I'm glad to be back with you, having been last week in a meeting in Houston, Texas, and I send a bring greetings from the Cy Fair congregation in Houston, Texas. They said, be sure and tell the brethren in Tennessee that we said hello. I enjoyed being with them, but it's always good to be home. The old saying, there's no place like home, is certainly a true expression. Thanks for being here this morning, and for any and all who are visiting today, thanks for coming our way. What can we learn from Paul's experience in a very violent storm at sea, what can we learn? What parallels might we draw? Well, the first thing that I would point out is that be careful not to be deceived when the gentle breezes blow. Now, go to that text, and we're going to keep coming back to this text in Acts chapter 27. But notice, when much time was spent and when sailing was now dangerous, Paul admonished them and said unto them, Sirs, I perceive that this voyage will be with hurt and much damage. Nevertheless, the centurion believed the master and the owner of the ship, and when the south wind blew softly, supposing that they had obtained their purpose, loosing thence, they sailed close by Crete. Well, as this story about Paul's journey to Rome, as it begins, everything is going well. The the gentle breezes are blowing. It looks like everything is fine. You know, that's a common thing with storms, isn't it? With physical storms, it always seems like it's calm. In fact, we even have that expression, don't we? We talk about the calm before the storm. Well, I want to tell you, life is that way too. 
Uh, and actually, we can be thankful that life has its calm, peaceful times. We're all for that, I think. I don't think there's anybody who loves controversy and who loves to be in turmoil and torn up and in, in an upset mood all the time. In fact, I would say anybody who enjoys that sort of thing got something psychologically wrong with him. We enjoy the calm, peaceful times. We enjoy the times when there's no physical illness to deal with. Uh, we enjoy the times when there's no money worries to have to concern yourself about. We're very thankful when there's no family issues that we have to work through, when there's no church issues that we have to work through. Those peaceful times, those are good, and we value those, and, and we are grateful for them, but I want to tell you, beware. Be on your guard. Don't let your guard down. Uh, certainly don't grow complacent and, and, and lose vigilance. Don't be deceived when the calm winds blow, because there will be storms Moses warned Israel about this as he was leading them out of Egyptian bondage toward the promised land. He's not going to get to go into the promised land. And so he sort of gives them his final words of admonition that are recorded for us in the book of Deuteronomy. And in Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 10, beginning, he says, When thou hast eaten and are full, beware that thou forget not the Lord thy God in not keeping his commandments and his judgments and his statutes, which I command thee this day, lest when thou hast eaten and are full and hast built goodly houses and dwelt therein, and when thy herds and thy flocks multiply and thy silver and thy gold is multiplied and all that thou hast is multiplied, then thine heart be lifted up and, they, and thou forget the Lord thy God. Here Moses was telling the Israelites, there's a danger. When things are going well, uh, when, when you're prosperous, when, when everything is good, be aware, because even in times like that, spiritual dangers exist. He says the danger for you all will be that you'll have things going so well for you that you'll forget about God. Don't grow complacent. Stay on your guard, even when times are good. In Revelation chapter 3, verse 17, we remember the Lord's statement to the church at Laodicea, that lukewarm church. To the Laodiceans, he says, Thou sayest... I am rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing. That was, their, that was their evaluation of their own situation. Rich, increased with goods, have need of nothing. And knowest not that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. They couldn't see themselves. They couldn't see the spiritual danger that they were in. They just thought everything was fine. And so I think that there's a real warning for us in that. Don't be deceived when the gentle breezes blow. We, we like that, right? We, we are thankful for times of peace and calm in our lives, but don't think that it's always going to be that way. Know that storms will come. What would you think, if I ask you for your prediction, do you think that there will be any storms, any physical storms coming in this spring weather season? I want to tell you, if you said, no, I don't think there'll be any storms, I'd say, you, you really, you don't know what you're talking about. Right, especially right here where we live, we have storms frequently and some pretty bad storms frequently. If you were to say, oh, I don't think there'll be any storms this spring, I'd say, you, you, you don't know what you're talking about. But in the same way, if we ask, do you think there'll be any spiritual storms on your horizon? If you said, no, I don't think so, I would say, really? You need to rethink that. 
because spiritual storms come into our lives. In Acts chapter 27, back to Paul's experience again. Notice, not long after, another they were enjoying the gentle breezes, but not long after there arose against a tempestuous wind called Eurycliden. And when the ship was caught and could not bear up into the wind, we let her drive. This storm was called Eurycliden. I read after somebody who said, oh, they were naming storms way back. You know, we've gotten in the, our, our weather forecasters have gotten in the practice. Now, every storm that comes along, they have to give it a name. They used to give just hurricanes uh, names. Now, when there's a winter storm, they want to name the storm. And somebody said, well, they were doing that way back. No, that's not. That's not what was going on here. This, this Eurocliden, that was the equivalent of what we might refer to as a nor'easter. You know, uh, when a big low-pressure storm system moves up the east coast and it gets up there, New York and Boston, Washington, D.C., all up in the northeast, on up into Maine, they they call those really bad storms, they call them nor'easters. They're not giving them a name, that's just a description. It's a nor'easter, and everybody knows if you live up in that part of the world, you don't want to be around a nor'easter. They're bad. Well, that's what this was. This, this, this Eurocliden was just a description of a very bad kind of storm that would be experienced on the Mediterranean. And this was a bad storm. I just want you to think for a minute about being on that ship in the ocean. Or, well, Mediterranean, I guess you can call it. It's the Mediterranean Sea, but a huge body of water in this horrible, horrible storm in an ancient wooden sailing vessel. I don't know if I can quite imagine a more terrifying scenario than that. This was awful. The storm hit, and it was a bad, bad storm. Now, I'll tell you something. As bad as physical storms like that can be, the spiritual storms that we face sometimes can be worse. In one, in this kind of storm, this Eurocliden, in that kind of storm, you could lose your physical life. Very high possibility you could lose your physical life. But in the spiritual storms that come in our lives, we could lose our souls. And that's way more important, and we need to be on guard. Jesus said in John 16, verse 33, In the world ye shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. Notice he says, ye shall have tribulation. He didn't say it might be so. In this world, you will have tribulation. The storms will come. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 12, Paul said, Yea, and all that live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. Not maybe. It might happen to you. No. He said, we will have trouble in this life. The storms will come. Look with me at that text that Damon read for us earlier from 2 Corinthians chapter 11, where Paul was listing the things that he had endured as he, as he went about preaching the gospel of Christ, as he was trying to live for the Lord, he suffered many, many storms. He, now, in our text this morning, he's in that physical storm at sea, but he'd had plenty of spiritual storms in his life. He said that the Jews five times received I forty stripes, save one. Thrice was I beaten with rods, once was I stoned. Thrice I suffered shipwreck. A night and a day have I been in the deep, in journeyings often, in perils of water, in perils of robbers, in perils by mine own countrymen in perils by the heathen, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren, in, per- in weariness and painfulness, in watchings often, in hunger and thirst, in fastings often, in cold and nakedness. Besides those things that are without, that's what just cometh upon me daily, the care of all the churches. There were a lot of physical dangers in Paul's life. 
And he talked about the many physical things that he had had to suffer as he tried to live for the Lord. Uh, so there are those physical dangers, but I, want, I think it's particularly interesting that as he listed all the physical dangers he had endured, he also mentioned the spiritual threats that had come his way. He said, in perils among false brethren. You know, even his own brethren had been threatening to him. They had prepared many of the storms which he had to suffer through. And he spoke about the care of all the churches. He said that was a daily concern on his part, that the the burden of caring about the well-being of the churches was something that he had to deal with. And so Paul had lots of storms, some physical, but some spiritual ones as well. And our point in all of that is simply that the storms will come. Don't think otherwise. There will be storms in our lives. So what do you do? Well, when the storms come, you do everything in your power to prepare for the storm and deal with it when it hits. I think all of us can envision probably things that we've seen on the news about uh, a, a hurricane is predicted to hit down on the Gulf Coast. And you know what people do. They have to... some evacuate. Probably everybody who's thinking right evacuates if they're in the path of the storm. But you also see them putting plywood up over the windows and and tying everything down tight as they can tie it down so the wind won't carry it away. They're making preparation, right? You've got to prepare for the storm. In fact, they'd be foolish not to do so. The storm is going to hit and they're not making any preparations for them. You'd think, what's wrong with that fella? He needs, he needs to get busy. He's just got a limited amount of time. He needs to be making his preparations. When Paul was on that ship, they made preparations. And they did what they could in dealing with the storm. Acts 27 again, at verse 16. Running under a certain island, which is called Clauda, we had much work to come by the boat, which when they had taken up, they used helps undergirding the ship. And, and fearing lest they should fall into quicksands, strake, strake sail, and so were driven. And we being exceedingly tossed with a tempest, the next day they lighted the ship. And the third day we cast out with our own hands the tackling of the ship. All of that sort of emphasizes to us how bad this storm was that they were suffering through. Recently in a Bible class, we talked about how they undergirded the ship. What they did was they took ropes, throw it over this side, bring it up on this side, and pull that thing up tight as you can. Because... They were, the, the storm was so bad, they thought this thing, they thought the ship could just break in two from the force of the, of the sea. And so they, they, they used these ropes to undergird the ship to tie, tr- literally try to tie it together to keep it from falling apart. And they, they had to start throwing things overboard. I mean, they're, they're so worried about shipwreck now that it won't, the cargo matters not. It won't matter. The cargo, the cargo is going to be lost one way or the other. Let's throw it over. Let's lighten the ship. Because you've got to believe the ship was taking on a lot of water, too. And then, on the third day, he says, we, we cast out the tackling of the ship. Now that they're throwing overboard the things that you need to even manage the ship. It doesn't matter anymore. If, if we, this stuff is all going to be lost anyway. This might be a precaution we can take that will save our lives. So they were doing everything that they could on their part to deal with the storm. And it's sort of interesting, a little bit later in the text, some of the sailors thought it was a lost cause and they tried to abandon ship. Acts 27, beginning verse 30, and the shipmen were about to flee uh, out of the ship. And when they had let down the boat, I, I take that to be a lifeboat, into the sea, under color as though they would have cast anchors out of the foreship, 
Paul said to the centurion, to the soldiers, except these abide in the ship, you cannot be saved. Then the soldiers cut off the ropes of the boat and let her fall off. The idea here is we need all hands. The old expression, all hands on deck. We need every sailor that's available to do what he can to save this ship, to save our lives. We need, we're going to, we need to do everything we can. We need everybody doing everything they can. Uh, we need to do what we can to save our lives. That was Paul's message to them, and that's what they were trying to do. Now, I hope, I hope we're not straining to make these parallels. I think the parallels are pretty obvious. The same thing is really true spiritually. We need to prepare for the storms because they're coming. And when the storms hit, you've got to keep pushing on just as hard as you can. You need to do everything in your power to deal with the storm. In, G- in Matthew chapter 6, in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus taught us how to pray. He said, after this manner, therefore, pray ye. In other words, when you pray, say this. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And one of the things he said to pray for, give us this day our daily bread. So pray for the necessities of life. That's what Jesus said. And, and, and certainly that's a, a, a good thing, a worthy thing. But notice in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 10, Paul said, For even when we were with you, this we commanded you, that if any uh, would not work, neither should they eat. Well, put those two things together. One thing is to pray for God's help. In this instance, pray specifically that you have food to eat. But then get busy and work to provide for yourself. And the the way it's been said, I think it's a, a reasonable way to summarize it. Pray as though everything depended upon God and work like everything depended upon you. Uh, so do what you can to deal with the problems that come, the storms of life that hit. So the Lord promises to help us, but it's with the expectation we'll do everything that we can to help ourselves. You know, there's a what some people refer to as chimney corner scripture along this line. You know, chimney corner scripture are those sayings that a lot of people think are in the Bible that actually aren't in the Bible. And I know that you've heard the, the, the phrase, God helps those who help themselves. Well, that's chimney corner scripture. That's not actually found. That, that verbatim statement is not found in the scripture. Actually, I, I, I read where the first place that that showed up was in poor Richard's Almanac back in 1733. So it's a, it's a saying that's been around for a long time, but it's not in the Bible. But the principle, I think, is, as we were just saying, the principle of God blesses, promises to bless us, but he expects us to work as hard as we can ourselves as well. So when the storm hits, you do everything in your power to prepare for and deal with the storm. Realize that it can get really bad. The storms can become very, very bad. In the case of Paul's storm at sea, in Acts 27, verse 20, it says, And when neither the sun nor stars in many days appeared, and no small tempest lay on us, all hope that we should be saved was taken away. That was really significant. And I think we mentioned this in a recent Bible class too. It was a really significant statement. The sun and the stars for many days, not just a day or two, for many days the stars, uh, the sun and the stars, they didn't see them. Now, the reason why that's particularly significant is that's how they navigated. Right? They navigated by lining up with the sun in the daytime and the stars at night. They knew what course to stay on by navigating in that fashion. If you can't see the sun... And you can't see the stars, 
you, you're lost at sea. You, you don't even know where you are. And they, they certainly didn't have GPS satellites to give them guidance, right? So uh, they were lost. They did not know where that, that's very, that's very, see, that's a bad, bad, bad storm. Uh, and notice it, it was going on for many days. And notice all hope that we should be saved was taken away. They just thought it was over. They thought that, that, that they were surely going to die. Uh, and so storms can get like that. Storms can get so bad you can't, you just can't imagine that you could ever survive or get through. Uh, Spiritual storms can be of that fashion too. They can be very, very bad. Uh, spiritual storms. Uh, notice what Paul said about some of the spiritual things he dealt with. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, beginning verse 8, he says, We are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed. Just look at those, look at those four phrases. Paul said, we're troubled, we're perplexed, we're persecuted, we're cast down. Paul was going through some really bad storms, wasn't he? In his spiritual life of serving. But he goes on to say, for which cause we faint not. But though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. How did Paul deal with these really, really bad storms in his life? Troubled, perplexed, persecuted, cast down. How do you deal with that? Well, you keep your eye on the, the eternal goal. These things, he says, are temporary. The things which are not seen are eternal. Keep striving for that goal of eternal life. We need to do the same thing. Sometimes the storms in our lives are very, very bad. They get really bad. But we've got to keep focused on the main thing. The main thing is going to heaven. Ultimately, that's all that matters. The rest of this stuff is going to go away. The rest of this stuff is temporary. The King James says temporal. It means temporary. It's just temporary. The main thing is to go to heaven when this life is over. We've got to stay focused on that goal. Because the storms can get really, really bad. In the midst of a bad storm, you've got to trust God. Trust God in the time, really hard times of your life. In Acts chapter 27 again, back to our text, Paul was in that storm at sea. Beginning verse 21, after long abstinence, Paul stood forth in the midst of them and said, I exhort you to be of good cheer, for there shall be no loss of any man's life among you, but of the ship. For there stood by me this night the angel of God, whose I am and whom I serve, saying, Fear not, Paul, thou must be brought before Caesar. And lo, God hath given thee all them that sail with thee. Wherefore, sirs, be of good cheer. Notice he says, For I believe God, that it shall be even as it was told me. Many of you here, uh, well, I say many of you, a number of you who've been here for many years remember Brother Billy Ashworth. And this was his favorite passage, and they spoke of this at his funeral. I believe God that it shall be even as it was told me. That is a wonderful thing to dwell on, right? So I'm going through this really bad storm in my life. Things are horrible. You can't imagine how bad it is. But I believe God. And I believe the promises that He's made. I believe God that it shall be even as He has told me. That's what we need to do in the storms. When the storms are really, really bad. 
we need to trust God's promises. Because God has promised us to reward us eternally if we are faithful. In Titus chapter 1, verse 2, Paul speaks of the hope of eternal life, which God that cannot lie promised before the world began. Don't you believe that that promise made by God, God who cannot lie, don't you believe that that sustained Paul through all the things that he had to do, even, even through this storm at sea? Don't you believe that sustained Paul? God can't lie. He promised. I believe that can sustain us too. We need to put our trust in God. So, the gentle breezes may blow, but don't be deceived. The storms will come. Prepare for them. Do what you can to deal with them, because they can get really, really bad. But always trust God. And the final observation from this account of Paul in the storm at sea is, even in the storm, be thankful to God. Go back to the text with me one more time in Acts 27. At verse 33, while the day was coming on, Paul besought them all to take meat, saying, This day is the fourteenth day that ye have tarried and continued fasting, having taken nothing. Two weeks they were in this storm at sea, or more. And when he had thus spoken, he took bread, notice, and gave thanks to God in the presence of them all. And when he had broken it, he began to eat. Then were they all of good cheer, and they also took some meat. And when we and we were in all in the ship, two hundred three score and 16. A big ship and a lot of people on it. And Paul, in the presence of them all, gave thanks to God. Uh, would you agree with me that it would be pretty hard? In those circumstances, it would be pretty hard to be thankful. Because you'd be focused on... Well, the reason was because you'd be focused on the immediate here now and forget the big picture, the eternal picture It'd be too easy to focus on here and now. It would be hard, but Paul could see it accurately. And so he was thankful to God. With the right focus and perspective, we can be thankful to God no matter, no matter how bad the storm is. In Philippians chapter 4, beginning of verse 4, Rejoice in the Lord always. Not just when things are going well. Not just when you have the calm breezes blowing. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Let your moderation be made known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. So, give thanks. He mentions being thankful. And he says, the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. We have a means of dealing with storms that the people of this world do not have. Have you ever thought about that? We've been saying we're going to have storms in our lives. It's inevitable. The people of the world are going to have storms in their life too, right? They have lots of storms. They don't have any way to really effectively deal with the storms that come their way. We do. And we need, to, we need to realize that. It's amazing that God has made so many blessings available to us that we can deal with all the storms that come into our lives. Well, I hope you agree with me. There's some pretty pointed parallels there concerning the storm that Paul and, and his sailing companions encountered as they were heading to Rome. And I think there's some real straightforward applications that we can make as we deal with things in our lives. I tell you, I'm grateful that I've never been in an ancient wooden sailing vessel 
in the middle of a horrible storm at sea. As I said earlier, I'm not sure I can imagine a quite more terrifying possibility than that or a scenario worse than that. I've never been there. I don't ever want to be there. But I would say, as I think you would say, we've had storms come into our lives, right? And I hope that we have talked about some things that help us deal with those kind of circumstances. Thanks for your good attention to what we've had to say. We were saying a minute ago that God provides so many blessings to us to deal with issues in life. And, and the greatest blessing of all is the gift of His Son, His shed blood on the cross of Calvary, to provide an atoning sacrifice for us to deal with the biggest problem we have in life, and that's the problem of sin. We should be so grateful to God. Have you availed yourself of the atoning sacrifice of Jesus? Upon hearing the truth and believing it, repent of your sins, confess your faith in Jesus, be baptized for remission of sins. If you've not done that, we hope you make that decision. If you need more information, tell us so we can study together. We'll be glad to do that. This is the most important decision of life. Make it right. If you're a Christian already, but the storms have overwhelmed you, and they've overtaken you. Come back to him in repentance, confession, and prayer. If we can help, let us know while we stand and sing this song.